You're listening to the Top of the Mountain Podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca, presented by the Variety Sports Network and D2Football.com, your home for RMAC football content. Now, to your hosts, Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, the Top of the Mountain Podcast. It is Friday. It is time for your RMAC football dosage. Myself, Jimmy Plato, my co-host, Rev Coca, here with you uh, to end the work week. I don't know about if we have any other teachers that listen to this show, but it's the beginning of fall break. So we finally get a break from our little gremlins in the most loving way possible. We get a little bit of a break from the little gremlins uh, for about seven days, but that also doesn't mean that there's a break from RMAC football, and we have a lot to get to today. Uh, two very interesting games that we looked at for uh, last week's games of the week, and we'll we'll get into talk about that and, and everything like that. But I'm going to bring in my co-host now, Rev. Uh, weekend didn't go how a lot of us were expecting, probably how both of both you and I planned it uh, in terms of RMAC football. What what were your thoughts, just general over over the weekend last weekend? Um, I believe. I don't know if you actually wrote this down from last week, but did we not both pick New Mexico Highlands to beat Black Hills, even though, yeah, this whole season has been a little weird with tons of parity. But I believe, you know, one of our riskier picks of the year was going up against, you know, New Mexico Highlands going up against an undefeated Black Hills. And, hey, as unpredictable as that's the season gone so far, we both got that part right. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, that and uh, for Lewis is just, way worse than everybody else they took a 56 to 3 l uh against yeah, shattering yeah. so yeah i guess the second worst team in the rmac they could even hold a candle or at least by in terms of their record they could yeah. even hold a candle against the second worst team in the rmac yep it's uh dire straits there out, out in durango and we don't need to tell you i'm sure that everybody's aware uh before we get into this week week seven of rmac football action uh, reminder, we are the Top of the Mountain Podcast. We release new episodes every Friday, which you can find uh, both here and on the Variety Sports Network. You can also watch the video. Uh, I didn't get the video out last week. I had a lot of other grading and stuff to do. Uh, so we'll get the video out this week. It'll be live on the Far End of the Bench YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe to the Far End of the Bench YouTube. Subscribe to Variety Sports Network, where you can hear Rev and I. Uh, Rev's been on the last two weeks uh, of our NFL show, Talking to Gridiron, there on the Variety Sports Network. Um, and you can also check out my other podcast, The Far End of the Bench, every Wednesday on this feed as well. Uh, you follow at FEOTB Pod on social media. You'll get updates for Far End of the Bench and updates for Top of the Mountain. You can follow the Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore. Uh, quick shout out our uh, sponsor, first sponsor of the episode, Row One Brand. You go to rowonebrand.com, follow them on social media at Cool Stub. Uh, <clears throat> rowonebrand.com, you get 15% off anything in the art gallery when you co- use code BSP. 15 BSP 15 gets you 15% off anything and everything, everything, excuse me, in the art gallery. Uh, super proud to be partnered with Row One Brand, uh, and they are a huge supporter of the Variety Sports Network and this podcast. Okay, Rev, I got the, the box scores up. I, did you watch the Black Hills and, and Highlands game where we both kind of were going off what we can can take from this box score? Were you able to get get that on the TV at all? No, I was really only see bits and pieces of the Western Minds game and then kind of turn it off as it got out of hand in the second half. But I wasn't able to see the I wasn't able to see that one. 
That's the only bad part about all these games, pretty much starting at the exact same time and it being on the RMAC network, you can't flip back and forth. So we are going to be, neither of us were able to watch too much of this game. Black Hills does come away, or yes, with their first loss of the season, 30 to 28. Uh, Way the scoring broke down in that one, Highlands, uh, six points in the first quarter, Black Hills, seven and seven. One point lead going into uh, the second half for the Yellow Jackets. And then in the second half, outscored actually not even outscored um the really really only the only difference was that extra touchdown and then a field goal in the third quarter to get to that 30 to 28 score uh chance even only 111 yards passing uh compared to jackson michael jackson's uh wow that's crazy that that is their new mexico islands quarterback's name michael jackson threw for 273 yards um not a whole I mean, obviously it was back and forth. It was a tightly contested game. So by no means does this show that Black Hills was fraudulent. But Rev, does this maybe prove what we've been saying for the last couple of weeks? We both have been calling for Black Hills to to come to their first loss of the season for about two or three weeks. Does this maybe prove that they are the team that we thought they were? Are they a little bit better than you might have expected? Uh, where does the Black Hills State Yellow Jackets sit now at five and one on, on this RMAC season? I honestly don't feel any different about Black Hills State right now off of this loss. I will admit that so far they've surprised a little bit, so perhaps they performed a little above expectations, and right now I still kind of have that. I still kind of have that view of them and just being a team that's so far performed above expectations, and let's see if they can keep it up for the rest of the year. This is going to be a tougher slate once they get the rougher teams, you know, once they start playing the Mineses and once they start playing the Pueblos and some of the more physically gifted teams of the RMAC, let's see how they hold up. But as far as I'm concerned here, they're they're an all right team. You know, they they ran pretty well, but this is put up or shut up time right now. See if they can keep that record. Interesting, even with the 58 points that were put up in this game, uh, both teams surrendered six sacks. Uh, Chance even was sacked twice. His replacement, Aiden Willard came in and was sacked four times. Jackson, Michael Jackson was uh, sacked six times for the New Mexico Highlands Cowboys. So the defenses did show up despite the amount of points that were put up. Uh, and really it comes down to New Mexico Highlands was able to adjust their attack, uh, got over 115 yards out of Shante, Shante Mills, uh, and they got a, another score out of James Budget. I remember James Budget from when we were both at Western Colorado, it's crazy how almost all of these names are, are some sort of name that we've seen before, but uh, New Mexico Highlands Rev, how, how do you view the Cowboys? I mean, I know we've both kind of talked about the never really consistent. They always have a lot of turnover. Uh, what would they need to do? What do you think New Mexico Highlands, the Cowboys can do for their program in order to maybe get themselves to that consistent level where they're, pressing the middle of the pack for most years, but then a couple of years, if you get a, a good senior class, you might be able to take a run of the conference championship because to my knowledge, Mexico Highlands has not won an RMAC title or at least not for quite some time. So what do you think they'd be able to do? Maybe put themselves in a better situation just as a program being a little bit more consistent. Well, the constant turnaround to me personally kind of signifies just a lack of culture within the organization and that, there's always so much turnaround. You kind of just see, you kind of just, you try to like preview teams in the preseason. It is really hard to put a finger on exactly who New Mexico Highlands is even going to roll out. You try to go to their websites and it's like, 
not overly updated of tons of, it's not the most well-kept website of all the RMAC websites out there, just in general from how it's ran behind the scenes by those people and also within the organization with the team and the players and them not being able to keep players around. It's definitely talented guys that they come across. You always see a couple skill position players that could be really big game breakers if they can get the ball in their hands and they have bits and pieces. They can never keep it together enough and just from the inside out, it just doesn't seem like a very strongly kept together culture. Yeah, they seem to recruit a little bit more based on size, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. They they never really had too many people that were uh, game breakers on that side of the ball. Wanted to give a quick shout out to CJ Sims, receiver for New Mexico Highlands. Uh, six catches, 183 yards and one touchdown. That is 30 and a half yards per reception for him on the day. And he did have an 80 yard, uh, 80 yard reception. That was his longest of the day and the longest in the game by either side. <clears throat> Do you see, I mean, obviously we still know that Highlands is in contention for the RMAC. Is this a win taking down what was the number one team in the conference a week ago? Does this maybe give the Cowboys a little bit of confidence? And we'll obviously, we're going to talk more about New Mexico Highlands coming up. They're going to be one of our games of the week uh, when we get towards the episode, end of the episode. Do you put New Mexico Highlands in that echelon of teams in the RMAC where they can go and win the conference title Obviously, I don't think that they would make the playoffs if they did win the conference, but can they win an RMAC title this year? Yeah, I kind of see Highlands right now in that kind of like mid to upper quartile where perhaps they could play the role of a party spoiler in case a team like, you know, Colorado School of Mines ends up slipping on a banana peel later on in the year where perhaps, you know, something like that could get them into the conversation of being potential RMAC champions or be somewhere you know maybe the role of a co-champion if that comes along but in terms of serious playoff hopes from the outside perspective it's probably going to be Colorado School of Mines unless if Black Hill State could pull off some magic and win some unlikely games later on in the year it's really going to be mine if, if they don't slip on that proverbial banana peel then that's really the only team with playoff chances but if that happens then wouldn't be surprised to see a team like South Dakota Mines and their high-powered offense who the way they put up points, they could potentially, you know, they could potentially do something, make some noise and pull off some upsets, you know, later on in the year. But, you know, it's really only Colorado Mines who I think has a chance of the playoffs. I tend to agree with you. Um, so, uh, like we mentioned, Black Hills falls for the first time this season, 30 to 28 to the New Mexico Highlands University Cowboys in Las Vegas, New Mexico last weekend. Uh, Black Hills getting set. They're hosting. Western Colorado in Spearfish this weekend. So they got a, a big turnaround in, in a, a game where they can maybe right the wrongs that were revealed on Saturday afternoon. Um, speaking of Western Colorado and, and also speaking of wrong, that was uh, about the worst possible outcome that I could have ever expected from this game. I, I know that we had lost to South Dakota mines. I, I said it, they'd beaten us in Gunnison before those were close games. This game, this was a laugher. I mean, this got out of hand after the second quarter. This one was totally out of reach, and Western never even got close to to bringing it back. You said you watched parts of this game. Riv, what did you see out of this contest, and, and how did South Dakota Mines just absolutely take it to Western Colorado on their home turf? Well, it just felt like Mines just went out there and just wore on us and wore on us. You look at that box score, they said that South Dakota Mines basically controlled the ball for two-thirds of the game. and 
it's one of those things where maybe you can recover from that if you have like an explosive, high power, you know, quick strike passing game. Maybe that's something you can recover from. But Western's offense is not built in that way to recover from deficits and to, you know, recover from not really being able to hold the ball and control it because we like our running game too. We like Josh Cummings to be a major no spearhead of the offense, which he was never able to get going, wasn't able to find much daylight all game. And the box score shows that. And ultimately, it's just South Dakota Mines being the more physical team wearing on us. You hear all the talks about their passing game in which, yeah, the passing game's been great all year, but this year was just a showcase of the running game. And I think that's something that's me being on some of those Western teams when we were struggling from 2015 to 2018. It kind of just felt like one of those games where, it was just, you know, offense, like the other team's offense just kind of just running through arm tackles and just wearing down on Western's defense. And it just, yeah, you would just like to see the run defense make their presence felt a little bit more there. Looking at time of possession, South Dakota Mines, 39 minutes, 30 seconds compared to Western's 20 minutes and 30 seconds. On third down, the Hard Rockers converted at a clip of nine out of 16. Western only converted three out of 10 tries. Fourth down, my South Dakota Mines was two of three, and then uh, also had converted four out of their five red zone chances compared to Western's one fourth down conversion and one uh, red zone scoring chance. So it, it was just totally, it was a dominant effort. And you can't slight South Dakota Mines for what they were able to do because we talked about this Western Colorado team. This is a very good team. They're talented. They showed that beating Colorado Mesa, who I still even though they're they're struggling a little bit and, and aren't in the the spot that they were back when we were in school, they are still a very good team. They're they're capable of putting together good games. And Western Colorado, that was not the same Western Colorado team we watched play in Grand Junction uh, that played in Gunnison this weekend. Now, you could say it was a trap game, but I don't know how you could be trapped by a team that's coming in three and two with one of the most high powered offenses in your conference. Um, and really, they had been giving up a ton of points. It's not like they had some stout defense behind a, a crazy passing attack and they were just losing close games. Their defense just allows you to score points. And for the Western Colorado not being able to find any after the first quarter where you score 10 points in the opening 15 minutes and that's it. Josh Cummings, only 38 yards rushing on the day. Uh, Receiving-wise, you only get 165 yards total. <clears throat> it, it's just not not a good look. And you also surrender 100-plus receiving yards to two of their their receivers and 146 rushing yards to their quarterback. James Johansson had himself a weekend and rightfully earned Offensive Player of the Week honors in the RMAC. So this South Dakota Dakota School of Mines team is different. Just like how we were saying Black Hills is probably a little bit different than they normally are. As of this moment where we're sitting right now, and it's probably a little bit of recency bias, and who knows, when they come back out next week, they host uh, Colorado School of Mines. So that score is probably going to be pretty lopsided. Who knows? Maybe the Hard Rockers have something in store for Colorado School of Mines. However, it's most of these games at the Division II level come down to the fact that if you make the least amount of mistakes, you're probably going to win. And even though South Dakota Mines made the least amount of mistakes compared to Western this past weekend – doesn't necessarily give me a ton of confidence going into their game against uh, Colorado School of Mines. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel on that, but it was a great performance by South Dakota Mines, and, and they definitely deserve that great of a win. Yeah, it's definitely hard, hard earned, and at this point, you have to look at this offense as a very legit one, and 
the dual threat that they have in Johansson, you know, kind of dictating things and being a senior caller and Jeremiah Bridges. And ultimately, this is a very game underdog right here. I mean, they're going to come in against Colorado School of Mines, and but the way they put up points, you, know, you really can't sleep on this team. You really can't count them out, you know? Going to be a fun engineer versus engineer showdown there. And with the way they put up points in a hurry, I don't know if they'll win necessarily because you can trust Colorado Mines to kind of be very disciplined. But that's all I'll say for that matchup right now before I fully give away my prediction. Yes, uh, like we mentioned, Western Colorado loses 38-10 to 10 in Gunnison against South Dakota School of Mines. Uh, big 28-point loss for the Mountaineers. They're going to have to bounce back and bounce back quickly because they are now on a 10-hour bus trip. Uh, probably while you guys are able to listen to this, they're they're on a 10-hour bus trip all the way up to Spears. Spearfish, South Dakota. So that'll be uh, quite the journey for them. Other games from last weekend that we'll mention before we talk about the players of the week and get into this week's games of the week. Shadron, like we mentioned, beat Fort Lewis 56-3 in Durango. Black Hills took uh, a loss 30-28 to, 30 to 28 against Mexico Highlands. Colorado School of Mines beat Colorado Mesa 48-21 to 21 in Golden. Western Colorado obviously lost 38-10 to 10 to South Dakota Mines. And then CSU Pueblo beat Adam State, even though their defense did show a couple weaknesses there towards the end, 52 to 20, uh, back-to-back weeks that my brother was able to play for CSU Pueblo and the Thunderwolves, sort of back on track. Not fully back on track, but you can see things starting to to maybe turn themselves around a little bit after that putrid start to the season this year. So that was last week's scoreboard. Now looking to last week's Players of the Week. We mentioned Jaden Johansson. Uh, this is his second Player of the Week award. He had 407 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns on Saturday. So this was definitely deserving. Uh, Mason Pierce, defensive back for Colorado School of Mines, probably one of the best corners at the in the entire Division II level. He, he earns the Defensive Player of the Week, and uh, Special Teams Player of the Week this week goes to Nigel Mitchell, uh, the junior wide receiver for CSU Pueblo. He had 136 return yards on three kickoff returns, uh, and also had a 95-yard kickoff return that extended the lead to 45-14. So he put in work all the way through and um, definitely earned that spot for a Special Teams Player of the Week award there. <clears throat> Looking ahead to this week now, let's let's take a look at the games that we have here. We are focusing ourselves on, we said, New Mexico Highlands, CSU Pueblo, West, and uh, what was the other one that we said? Oh, the Mines on Mines. Mines on Mines crime. Yeah, yeah. There we go. We'll we'll stick there first. Colorado School of Mines taking their uh four and two record, three and three and oh in the RMAC, four and oh in the RMAC, and uh South Dakota Mines three and one in the RMAC, taking their four and two record at home against Colorado School of Mines. What are some of the things to look for in this matchup? How can South Dakota Mines attack Colorado School of Mines and, and how can the hard rockers pull something over on what would be one of the biggest upsets in uh, or diggers football history. If this does happen, what do you think the South Dakota mines is going to focus on? I think something that you have to focus on is a bit of aggressive play calling because from the, from the offensive side of the ball, you're confident that mines, they can put up points and they can potentially, you know, surprise from that role, but you don't necessarily know how your defense is going to hold up against Colorado Mines. So perhaps on the offensive side of the ball, you have to be very aggressive with your playmaking. If there's an opportunity to go for it on fourth and short, go for it. If there's a chance where maybe you could just 
I don't know, catch Colorado minds off guard with an onside kick. I'm not saying play Madden, but surprise them, you know, go for it on fourth down, go for two when you need to go for two, do some stuff that will make Colorado minds play with a little bit more urgency, you know, make them sweat a little bit, you know, be aggressive with your play calling. And I think that's something that as an underdog, you could do to put some pressure on the team that's expected to win, you know, if you have some success early and all of a sudden you go for two, all of a sudden you get a fourth down conversion that frustrates the other team. Like that kid, get some momentum on your side earlier that maybe you can ride out for a little. I agree. If you, it's always good to go out and shock somebody. I know you wrestled uh, just as much as I did. And if you were going up against one of the top seeds in the tournament, it was never a good idea to just kind of hang back and see what he was going to happen. It was always a better chance. Uh, even we talk about it when we talk about the UFC, the underdog should go out there and try to put as much pressure on him early because the, the longer this thing goes on, the longer that your opponent has time to kind of figure out what you're doing. And we all know that's what Colorado School of Mines is really, really good at. They analyze what you're doing to them, what you might be successful at, and then they just go right to taking it away from you. Uh, <clears throat> I am, I'm struggling to think that even as good as this South Dakota Mines offense is, Colorado School of Mines on the season, I'm looking through their schedule now, and, and I'm mainly going to focus on the RMAC games because the Angelo States and the Grand Valley States are obviously going to score a little bit more, some more points. Against Adams, they gave up 10 points. Against Pueblo, they gave up 17. Against Shadron, they gave up 9. And they just gave up 21 to Colorado Mesa. So the only time that a team was able to score more than two touchdowns on them was this past weekend. And that defense is something else. They might have lost some of their playmakers, uh, pass rushers, their linebackers. We know uh, all of those things that have happened. They've had their backups step up this season and, and are playing like, real true conference D2 level possible playoff caliber players. And then you also still have the leadership of Mason Pierce, John Matoka, um, <clears throat> Michael Zeman. They have so many guys that are in their sixth and seventh year. It's, it's kind of crazy. So that's where I kind of fall. I, it's hard for me to say that anybody's going to beat South Dakota mines. That's not a national powerhouse that knows how to win these type of games, because that's the thing. South Dakota mines might be able to find themselves in a position where they have a lead, and maybe they are being successful, how are they going to be able to handle that and keep it rolling all the way through? That's that's what bad teams or teams that are starting to finally get good don't really understand is that they get to the point and then they can never quite figure out how to finish. And Colorado Mines has figured out how to finish. They have a system in place. Even though it's a new coaching staff, they still look like the same well-oiled machine. Guess that is pun intended, by the way, the ore diggers and, and the well-oiled machine. I, I don't see a world where South Dakota Mines is able to walk out with a victory. So my prediction is going to be probably a little bit more lopsided of a score than we would like. But I do think that uh, Colorado School of Mines will win the Battle of the Engineers and uh, probably pretty handedly over the South Dakota School of Mines Hard Rockers. What are what are your thoughts? What's your predict prediction for this one, Rev? Yeah, as feisty as this South Dakota Mines team could be, it's only about that Colorado school and my system that just seems very plug and play where it's a very disciplined system. They run a very vanilla three, four. And like you said, it's not necessarily risk taking, but they read the other team so well. They play that very, you know, standard vanilla three, four. They just wait for you to make mistakes and they just poke and prod and pick at you and they just dissect you. And it's kind of like that. And with this coaching staff and with this players who really buy into this system, 
you can really count on them not to make a lot of mistakes. It just kind of feels like an RMAC version of New England Patriots. You know, they don't make mistakes. They kind of play within that mechanical system. The coach kind of has, the coaches just kind of structure this well-oiled machine. And it helps when your team captains are very experienced, guys who have succeeded very highly at the Division II level. And ultimately, they can rely on that experience. They can rely on the talent of Matoka and Zeman and, Pierce and Reeve on the defensive side of the ball and all these guys that they have. And ultimately, there's too much firepower. Myers might be able to score some points, but I think as the game goes on, maybe into the second half or the as the third quarter goes on, mine's is going to pull ahead or Colorado mine's is going to pull ahead. But I think maybe for the first half, South Dakota Mines keeps it competitive because they could also score. I, I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair stance. So you're, you are, and I are both on Colorado School of Mines. Who knows? Maybe this is one of the weeks where the RMAC decides to go crazy for a second, and and we do get one of the biggest upsets that I can remember for a long time. I for some reason I remember we were playing in New Mexico Highlands, and Colorado Mines was about to finish up their undefeated season or had a chance to, and I think they slipped up with like Black Hills or something. So they're not unlikely to have some sort of game where they slip up. It's just very unlikely for it to happen this early in October. And now that they've had those two losses early on in the season, I think we both said it. There's no more room for messing around. These guys might have taken the initial part of the season not quite as serious, but now they know they have to run the table. you got to be undefeated in the conference. you got to make a statement, and that's what they've been trying to do. So we're both on Colorado School of Mines for that one. Our other game of the week this week, it is the Colorado State University Pueblo Thunderwolves hosting the Cowboys from New Mexico Highlands, coming off an upset, quote-unquote, of the number one team in the conference and uh, bringing a 3-2 and two record into the game. Both teams are bringing a 3-2, and two, or excuse me, Highlands 3-2, and two, Pueblo 3-3, three and 2-2 three, two and two overall in the conference. So initial thoughts when you look at, think about this matchup, CSU Pueblo versus New Mexico Highlands. My initial thoughts is, well, not only is one CSU Pueblo starting to find some momentum, yeah, feasting on weaker competition to RMAC, but not only are they fighting momentum, there's the offense starting to find their rhythm and find their identity as to what they want to do, but also they're going to be very motivated for this matchup because of, well, what happened last year. They're going to try to get that back. That was the first time in first time in their series that Highlands has ever been in Pueblo. I believe the series is 12-1 to 1 now, so... I think Pueblo's really going to be motivated to get their payback on Highlands, and they're playing a lot better now. Yeah, Fort Lewis and Adams State is not necessarily, they're not necessarily staples of the RMAC, but it definitely plays a role just being able to stomp on the team, just being able to figure out what you want to do identity-wise when you're basically handing a team where you can do whatever you want to, to kind of test out who they are and what they want to do to teams, and they can use that confidence and launch pad, launch pad themselves into perhaps a good performance against Highlands. But yeah, Highlands is a very talented team on the other end as well. Yes. And as I'm looking through the season statistics here, average 180 yards rushing per game. That's pretty close to, to top in, in the conference, six touchdowns uh, on the ground. And then the passing game, which is normally their strength, hasn't been quite so good. Uh, Mind Highlands, excuse me, does score 26 points a game compared to Pueblo's 37. That seems a little bit inflated. I know that they're good. Their offense is pretty good, but it's not like they have been in the past. And I mentioned, too, their their culture and their process 
isn't quite as uh, established or as polished as it had been when we were uh, enjoying enjoying going out to Pueblo and, and getting beat up when we were playing in the conference. So those are kind of the statistics that tend me to lean towards CSU Pueblo and now throwing in the fact that this is a revenge game. This is a team that really wants to prove themselves, and I'm sure that they've been hearing all the noise. I'm sure that they can't stand being told how much they suck and how not like CSU Pueblo they really are. I think this is going to be a game where they probably try and go out and make a statement, get some revenge for a loss that you think shouldn't have happened, and set you up your first winning record on the season. If the CSU Pueblo Thunderwolves win this game, it will be the first time that they have a winning record all year. That is an insane statement that is true that just came out of my mouth. Wait, weren't they one in – or did they – were they one in know when they played – was it West Texas, the team they played at the beginning of the year? Oh, Midwestern, State, yeah, but... Midwestern, yeah. So they, this will be the second for the second time since yeah, week one. Five hundred, yeah. Yes, yeah. Since week one, this will be their first winning record on the season, and I know that they think that's not good enough. I know we know that's not good enough. Um, that being said, prediction time. Who are you going with? New Mexico Highlands University going to CSU Pueblo to take on the Thunderwolves. I think that Pueblo environment is going to be too much for them to overcome. I would love to say the Highlands wins that matchup again because physicality-wise, they match up very well. C.J. Sims is a game-breaker. You know, last last week he didn't have a crazy amount of receptions, but I think he averaged somewhere around like 20 to 30-something yards per reception. When he had the ball in his hands, he took advantage of it. So a guy like that could really change the narrative of a game very quickly. But ultimately, it's going to be a rough environment, and I don't know if – you no know, Highlands are going to have the discipline to be able to pull a game off against a Pueblo team and a crowd that's really going to get behind them that's really upset about what happened last year. And you see now, like, the passing game and the running game with Pueblo has really gotten going. And the defense has feasted on weaker competition. So I think ultimately that momentum is going to carry into that game and Pueblo is going to get the W here. I'm also going to predict a CSU Pueblo victory. I will say – they have shown some sort of a tendency, especially in their secondary, which you just mentioned CJ Sims. He did average 30 and a half yards per reception last weekend. They did let Adams kind of throw the ball on him a little bit, especially towards the end of last weekend. So if they stay disciplined, they shouldn't have an issue. But if one of their DBs decides to freelance and isn't doing the, the right coverage or isn't following the play to a T with the speed, with the athleticism that both C.J. Sims and I remember James Budget running all over Western Colorado when we were there, those two guys are capable of making some big plays and can kind of push you up into that next level. So we're both predicting a CSU Pueblo victory. I'm not quite sure. It scares me just a little bit thinking that uh, their defense hasn't quite been as disciplined as they have been in the past. So Moving forward, before we get into the talk of the standings, their standings are presented by SeatGeek, the newest sponsor of the Variety Sports Network. Uh, SeatGeek, when you download the app, use code VSN, you'll get $20, per, $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. That's only on your first purchase, so if you're already a SeatGeek member, doesn't apply to you, unfortunately. But if you don't have it downloaded, SeatGeek is one of the easiest ways to find cheap tickets, last-minute tickets to any concert, sporting event, Anything like that that you would like to go to, when you use code VSN on your first purchase, you get $20 off. Uh, thank you, SeatGeek, for being a proud partner of the Variety Sports Network and this podcast, The Top of the Mountain. Uh, let's switch things up here a little bit, Rob. We're going to go bottom to top. Bottom to top, uh, Fort Lewis rounding out the loser's den here. 0-5 on the season, 0-4 in the conference. 
Um, I could pull up the, the schedule and probably do some quick math as to how many points they have scored on the season. I don't want to do that to you. Just know that it's it's looking like the 1100 day mark is getting a little bit closer before they actually win a game. Because honestly, the rest of this season looks bleak. And if they don't win this season, how the hell are they going to get good enough to actually be some sort of competitive next season? So Fort Lewis, Colorado Mesa, right above them, 0-4 in the conference, 1-4 overall. And then Shadron just got their win against Fort Lewis. So they're sitting at 1-5 and and 1-3 and in the conference. So out of the bottom three, Rev, uh, do you see those three teams as the worst in the RMAC, or do you think that maybe by the end of the season we'll see a couple different different faces down there? So as for the bottom, I kind of expect Shattering State and, of course, Fort Lewis is just going to stay kind of right there. Shattering picked up a good win, but they struggle being competitive overall. You know, this Western team, of course, we're going to have our biases, but this has been a very up-and-down inconsistent offense, and they allowed they allowed us to score 56 points on them. So I think that's a bad sign for Shadron. Fort Lewis is going to stay put, but I just feel like Colorado Mesa has played too many of these teams close where they're going to pull off a couple wins later on in the year. And they've been very close and competitive. There's no reason why they can't. Uh, I could have lumped Adam State into that group as well. They're one and three in the conference and uh, one and five overall in the season. We all, we, I know how you feel about Alamosa, same way I feel about Alamosa. So uh, <clears throat> kind of move past there. Uh, not quite, if they ha didn't have quite as much turnover, they'd probably be a more successful program, but it is what it is at this point. They have a new coaching staff and it seems like new group of guys every single year. Uh, fun story that I always like to mention. You remember when we were getting ready to play them? Uh, I believe it was, it was in Gunnison. It was your redshirt freshman year and my true freshman year. They had that middle linebacker that was a transfer from CU that had just got out of jail for attempted homicide with a brick. You remember, I remember that guy? That, yeah. Yeah, he was literally our tight end coach. He was like ex-teammate. Yeah, I remember that. 27 yep. years or probably in his mid-20s, just absolutely yoked. Had a bit of an anger issue. But yeah, I remember that guy, yeah. Sounds like a typical Adam State recruit. Yep, yeah, looks like. They, I'm sure they go on some recruiting trips uh, to the to the penal system. Uh, kind of a dumb, dumb idea not to. You can turn these guys around. He did definitely have some pent-up anger, but he was, wasn't much of a football player after – however long his stretch was i think probably like three years i don't uh, who knows but yes yeah, adams yeah. adams one and three in in the conference one and five overall csu pueblo western colorado kind of sitting right there in the middle so we'll talk about those two three and one for western colorado in the conference two and two for csu pueblo out of these two teams which one has given you more confidence in the last couple of weeks that they're going to be able to stick either in the middle or in the top half of the conference standings by the time the season's over um, I'd have to say at this point, they're both kind of going to stick in that six or seven win kind of range. I just kind of see Pueblo as a team that they could fall apart and have like some mental breakdowns against stronger football teams. And Western, this offense, this offense is just not consistent enough. Defensively, just how much they allowed on the ground is just very concerning. There are some games where it'd be a good passing performance for the other team be a good rushing performance for the good team. And West Western has done a good job of bending but not breaking, despite, you know, not necessarily, you know, like on a yard-for-yard yard standpoint, being able to hang with every team, but they just kind of bend and don't break. But I kind of see both these teams as like in kind of the spot where they're going to be at. They're going to win maybe seven games, six, and just 
kind of hang around there. All right, top four of the Seat Geek Armac football standings. Uh, New Mexico Highlands right now at number four, three and one in the conference, three and two overall. South Dakota Mines at number three, also three and one in the conference, uh, four and two on the season. Black Hills moves down one slot after their loss to uh, New Mexico Highlands, three and one in the conference, five and one on the year. And then Colorado School of Mines now holds down the top spot without a tiebreaker. 4-0 in the RMAC and 4-2 on the rest of the season with their two losses coming to nationally ranked opponents. So <clears throat> of those top four, are any of them going to be able to compete with the ore diggers and, and push them and possibly steal the conference championship away? Or has everybody given the ore diggers too much leeway now that they're undefeated so far? And as long as they, they can at least win, lose one game, and if everybody else wins out, they would still have a share of the RMAC title. So is anybody going to take it from them outright, do you think? No, there's too much core experience. The guys who are big playmakers or the guys who are big impact players on last year's team that went to the semis, they're still going to be here this year. So kind of going to be hard to have that core experience that Colorado Mines has in which they can just rely on if things get a little – if they're in a rough game or in a rough situation – they can rely on those core leaders to kind of get them out of a slump. So ultimately, well, I can see South Dakota Mines maybe coming out with eight games. I just don't see them being able to overcome. They're not going to be able to overcome Colorado School of Mines here. Too much core experience, and that's going to make the difference here. Well, there's your thoughts for uh, week six of the Seed Geek RMAC football standings. This has been – uh, another great episode of the Top of the Mountain podcast. Before we let you guys go, finish enjoying the rest of your Friday. If you're a teacher like me, enjoy your fall break. Uh, we do want to mention once again, big shout out to our <clears throat> sponsors, Row One Brand. Follow them at the cool stuff. Go to rowonebrand.com, code VSP15, get you 15% off anything in the art gallery. And then, of course, SeatGeek, when you download the app, use code VSN, you get $20 off your first purchase through SeatGeek. Uh, follow us at FEOTB pod. That's where you can get updates for this show, as well as my other podcast, far under the bench that comes out every Wednesday, new episodes of this show drop every Friday, both here and on the variety sports network. And if you want to watch the show, you can check that out on the far end of the bench, YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe, uh, leave a like a comment, tell us what, what you think. And uh, also be sure to follow the variety sports network at variety underscore sports, underscore great shows coming out all throughout the week. If you follow them on your favorite podcasting platform, uh, they download automatically to your phone. So Rev, let the people know one more time where they can find you. And if you got anything else in, in, in the works uh, for belly up and anything like that. So you can find my work at Rev Coca. Well, my Twitter is at Rev Coca. Then on belly up sports, First name Rev, last name Coca. You search right there. I've currently just an article prepared about the Pittsburgh Steelers, just kind of the first quarter, slightly more than a quarter of the season, just kind of my own thoughts on the situation. Some questions to bring up. How the defense look without TJ Watt? Are our offensive playmakers going to step up and make Pickett's job easier? You know, special teams, is that becoming a concern? Like, just over an overall overview just of the first five games of Pittsburgh season, which hasn't left a lot of room for optimism. But, hey, the rookie quarterback hasn't looked terrible despite all of that. So, Is Tomlin on the – are you one of the Pittsburgh fans that put Tomlin on the hot seat? I know that some of them are calling for a job now. Oh, no, definitely not me. Well, I was definitely thinking about addressing that in the article as to any potential coaching changes. I decided to leave that out because at this point, 
you have to give Tomlin, you know, he he deserves that leash. What he's done when he's had top level talent, he's put them close to Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl when he's had the talent he's produced. But this year, you kind of have to, you know, as a Steelers fan, look at the mirror, just realize that if TJ Watts the only thing keeping his defense away from being at least good, our our talent is not where it needs to be. Like we're we don't have that Super Bowl level roster right now. And it's a very harsh reality right now. Well, I'm kind of dealing with my own harsh reality when it comes to NFL football. So if you want to listen to both Rev and I commiserate uh with others as well on the Variety Sports Network, you should be sure to subscribe to that channel and listen to Talking the Gridiron every Sunday right after Sunday Night Football ends. So about 9 o'clock Mountain Standard Time is when we go live for that show on YouTube. And then it's also put out uh, in audio form on demand following the, the end of that show. So Monday morning. Well, this has been another great episode of the Top of the Mountain Podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. For myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Red Coca, enjoy RMAC football and uh, have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>